0: Hello everyone, this is Father Michael Trummer with this new introductory episode of The Normal Christian Life. We're here to talk about this new podcast, what it's about, why we're doing it, and what led us to start this podcast. So you guys want to give a quick introduction?
1: Yeah, and this is Father Christopher Trummer. I'm Father Michael's brother. Really excited to be starting this podcast. It wasn't an easy decision. Uh, Anyone who listens to podcasts knows that there are a lot of podcasts. There's even a lot of Catholic podcasts. And we're very conscious in our own lives of how time-consuming that can be to to listen to more content. There really doesn't seem to be a shortage of high-quality Catholic content out there, people sharing things about the faith, sharing the gospel sharing about scripture prayer spirituality all these different themes and so it took some time of discernment for my brother and joe and i to to decide to do this podcast but we really feel like the lord is doing something in our own lives uh, bringing renewal to each of us individually and also very importantly that the lord brought us together as friends starting in seminary and that friendship has continued over the last Uh, several years now and it's really blessed us and we've kind of experienced ongoing renewal through our friendship and seeing what the Lord's doing in the church with other relationships too with other friends that we have and getting involved my brother and I now in priestly ministry and Joe continuing in his own ministry as a layman and we'd like to just share a lot of the wisdom that we've received from other people and we, we as it's blessed up as it's blessed us We're hoping that it will be a blessing to you guys as well.
2: So, um, I'm Joe Herring, um, and, um, actually Father Michael and Father Chris are in the, uh, Diocese of Springfield and we'll talk more about this, but I'm actually all the way out here, um, in, uh, the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Um, well, that's where I live. I actually work in the Diocese of Covington, but, um, We've really stayed in touch over the years. It's actually been, I think, more than 10 years since we first got to know each other in college seminary, and um, we've continued to stay in touch um, because we all just have this—it's an uh, extraordinary—it's really an extraordinary grace. It's not something you can just create, but we all share the same heart um, for uh, Renewal in the Church. Um, and that's kind of evolved over the years on our different journeys, but we've just, we've stayed together. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of conversations in seminary about, you know, apologetics and philosophy. And, um, as we've spent more time, especially out in the world and, uh, you know, you know, trying to do the Lord's work, we've really seen, um, uh, more and more this, uh, this kind of theme coming up of how we need the Holy spirit and rely more fully on the Holy spirit. And, um, we just want to share what we've gained through that, um, through those experiences and those insights. And, um, and we are continuing to grow in that, um, individually. And we also want to share all that with, with whoever, uh, wants to listen. And, uh, I just pray that this will resonate with, uh, you as a listener. Uh, if whoever's listening.
0: Yeah, basically we have really life-giving and and fruitful conversations. And although it's not exactly just us talking to each other and hitting record, there's still an element of just having fruitful connections with each other. And if it's not even super, super like natural, like how we naturally speak where, you know, the three of us are still talking. And it's really just a, a variety of things too and I think it's it's really fruitful. So, yeah, as as mentioned, apologetics, philosophy, theology, those are interests, but then just prayer and spirituality and ministry and even being, you know, seeing a lot of fruit even from outside the, the Catholic Church. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. All these things come together for really fruitful conversations. Sometimes there are these conversations happening or content being shared in exclusive pockets. And and like, you know, people that might just focus on prayer and spirituality, other people focus on apologetics, other people focus on cool Holy Spirit miracles. And I think we just naturally just are interested in all the aspects of our faith and those those conversations are fruitful. So really uh, we want to talk on a, a variety of topics. Uh, but certainly heavily connected to the Holy Spirit. But I think it it really pulls in facets from other aspects of prayer, catechesis, theology, philosophy, psychology, ecumenism.
1: Yeah, I think I'll just, this is Father Chris talking. I think I'll just jump in and, and explain our title of our podcast a little bit. So when, uh, our mom, Michael and I's mom, heard the title of the podcast. She was like, "The normal Christian life." <laughs> she said, like, "That doesn't that doesn't sound very interesting. Maybe you should pick something that different. That doesn't sound very <clears throat> exciting." Uh, the but the title is it's meant to be kind of ironic because the title comes from this 1997 document from the U.S. Catholic Bishops, and it, it, the document's called "Grace for the New Springtime." and we'll talk about this more in later episodes too but this saint john paul ii the pope saint john paul ii he had been talking kind of for years at that point maybe in the 90, early 90s through all the 90s he was foretelling or he was envisioning that there was this new springtime that was going to break out in the church and there were a lot of converts to catholicism from protestantism he had people like scott hahn and just these um kind of new voices coming forth. There was just a lot of flourishing in Catholicism and World Youth Day was really successful. There was a lot of energy, there was a lot of life. Um, And a lot of people now are commenting on how, or maybe did the springtime not come? Like, is it yet to come? And just, there's uncertainty about that. But in this document in 1997, while there's still that excitement, uh, the bishops uh, published this document as an affirmation of the Catholic charismatic renewal that began in the Catholic Church in 1967 and the Catholic charismatic renewal had been doing a lot of work, a lot of ministry. And really the central grace that was in the charismatic renewal that they were teaching about the most, that they were praying for the most and trying to explain to people was baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have a later episode where we de- delve into that. But in this document, the bishops affirmed the reality of that experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit of kind of coming to life fully as a Christian in the Holy Spirit and especially uh, they affirmed the idea that that would be manifested in even some extraordinary ways through different charisms of the Holy Spirit through gifts of the Holy Spirit things like um, healing the gift of tongues the gift of prophecy things that I think a lot of Catholics probably most Catholics are very unfamiliar with and they just sound like kind of uh, out there or maybe they just sound like it's something that's only for the holiest of the saints it's a very rare thing it's something you read about in a book and we took this uh, this title in the bishop's document where they they look at the baptism of the holy spirit and these gifts that the, the charismatic renewal was promoting and practicing and they called that uh part of the normal Christian life. That's the phrase they use. We consider this to be part of the normal Christian life. And they said that they encourage everyone to embrace uh, the grace that the charismatic renewal was talking about. So that I think has been a big shift for us is is seeing that as these spiritual gifts, some of these um, maybe more extraordinary graces as something that's accessible to all of us. And you can think, you guys, can chime in on this, um, but even going back to Vatican II, like there was this really strong emphasis in Vatican II on the universal call to holiness, that all Christians were called. Uh, even like there's reference to being called to the to the highest levels of of intimacy with the Lord in prayer, like uh, through depth of of relationship with the Lord. So everyone's familiar with some of those um, calls for like, yeah, everyone's called to be holy. Everyone's called to be a saint. And then I think the, the charismatic renewal has done a lot to show us some of the ways that, uh, the concrete ways that that takes place. Like, what does that holiness look like?
2: I, uh, I want to just say something real quick. Um, this is Joe again, of course, we won't always introduce ourselves every time we talk, but, um, but, uh, I've, I mean I've had recent conversations with uh, you know, very Catholics of very goodwill, um, you know, maybe more traditionalist leaning, maybe they're, you know, maybe what you'd consider just moderate or whatever. Um, but all like but orthodox and really invested in like trying to live in Catholic community, um, trying to understand how to pray better, things like that. And I noticed there's not in talking to these people, they've mostly a lot of them have heard of charismatic, uh, the term charismatic, charismatic renewal, charisms, um, and they associate with a particular movement, um, kind of like an ecclesial movement or organization. Um, and that's something we're gonna really focus on too, explaining in this in this uh podcast. We wanna provide just a broader context. Of the Christian life in which charisms have a place, if that makes sense. The charismatic um, dimension of the church is not just an ecclesial movement, and it can't be, um, nor is it the, the main focus. So it's not like, you know, I'm Catholic and charismatic, and that's my thing, and that's what I focus on. Every, the charisms are a part of the church's history from the very beginning, all throughout up until now but there's a but there's just a big renewal of an understanding and appreciation and expectation regarding the charisms that's been happening in the charismatic renewal and so we're going to touch on the importance of that but not only that not only that the normal christian life um what is a normal christian life supposed to look like that's what we that's what we're trying to explain and the charisms do have a role in that but this isn't just a you know, talk that's sponsored by some charismatic organization. This is, we're, we're trying to look at the big picture, you know, the charismatic gifts, but also intimacy. Um, the graces that the Lord is, is giving to the church in our time in particular, and the ways that he's moving. I mean, this is just vitally important that we look at the big picture, um, especially considering that we are in kind of a crisis in the church, and that's something we're going to address in our next episode, um, really kind of de- talking about, is there a need for renewal in the church? Is there a radical need for renewal in the church? And of course, um, you might be able to figure out we're going to say that, yes, there is.
0: Yeah, well, I would like to us to talk about just our st- stories or testimonies of how we got introduced to the Holy Spirit in a more profound way or the charismatic renewal in a more profound way. Real quick before that, I would just say Yeah, I think we have a as human beings, we just really like to to label people and put them in camps. And a lot of times it's just not helpful. So even with this whole focus on the charismatic renewal, like, okay, well maybe these this is just a a charismatic podcast or charismatic people and it can just kind of be a way that we label and positively or negatively that we can box box people or box people in the categories but yeah just to really highlight that it's it's not about a club it's not it's something broader and i'm not talking i'm not saying talking about this negatively but with opus day like that's something more specific again i'm not criticizing it but that, that is something that's a very specific type of spirituality i think our point is that Charismatic Renewal is not just like an Opus Dei type of thing, it's just... Yeah, those
1: people in Opus Dei wouldn't claim that Opus Dei, everyone should be in Opus Dei, but the, the central claim of the renewal is that it's just rediscovering part of what's at the heart of Christianity, to live a life really led in the Spirit, not just in a theological sense to affirm the Holy Spirit, to believe in the Holy Spirit, but to actually be led by the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8. Like, all who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God.
0: Imagine imagine a renewal in the church just for prayer. The, the, let's say it's called just the prayer renewal, and people are just trying to pray more, just have more personal prayer. And that was a movement really trying to push people because maybe the importance of prayer had gone to the wayside, which could be true even for today, but just imagine a scenario Someone can maybe say, "Well, you know, I don't really belong to that that movement, or that's like that that's not my type of thing." Like, well, actually, essentially, to be a Christian actually would entail that you pray, that you have a life of personal prayer. And although there might be a movement that's reawakening that, don't treat that as like an optional flavor or side dish to your faith. It's essentially it's just recovering who you are essentially.
1: Yeah, something becomes, uh, a movement comes along. The Holy Spirit inspires movements that, to recover something that maybe was lost or something that fell out of focus or fell out of people's awareness. But usually with a movement, the goal is that, at least as a movement, it would dissolve into the church and people would just say, you know, somebody even asked me on a pilgrimage last year, I was on pilgrimage and a woman who was there in my group, she said, are, are you a charismatic priest? and i said well um i would just say i'm like a catholic priest but since i know what you're what you're asking by that i would say yes <laughs> like i'm i'm charismatic but you know the goal would be yeah like somebody wouldn't need to ask that it's just like you wouldn't need to say like are you a praying christian or you know are you do are you are you do you like to serve others like you know love your neighbor as yourself or like are you a eucharistic priest
2: right Joe. Yeah, I. Since you, you, sorry, I. I just want to point out, um, because I hear this a lot, and I think I. Um, I, basically, this was coming up in conversation today of like, you know, uh, I'm more of a contemplative versus charismatic, you know, um, and contemplative versus charismatic. That whole idea to me, like, truly, the longer I've looked into this stuff, um, it's just a false dichotomy. It's like everyone needs to be contemplative. Everyone needs to be charismatic, contemplative in the sense of cultivating intimacy with the Lord, and charismatic in the sense of using the gifts that everyone has, the supernatural gifts, because if they're not supernatural, they don't build the kingdom of God. You can't build the kingdom of God with natural gifts. So the supernatural gifts or charisms, um, you're, you're cultivating those as well. You're, you're operating in those as well. But, of course, rooted first and foremost in that intimacy. And even traditional
0: versus charismatic. Like, some people might put that on a spectrum. Like, yeah, Yeah, charismatic's more left, and then traditional's more right. That's really another unhelpful false dichotomy. They're really not mutually exclusive. And I think there's a lot of beautiful traditional elements that, like, I think are beautiful that I would like to see come back. But to not really put it in this whole... Camp camp way of thinking or party way of thinking. I've been
1: doing a deep I've been doing a deep dive recently into Saint Padre Pio. And if you want proof in one person of the complete unity of what people associate with you know traditional Catholicism, and traditional piety and devotion and prayer. I mean, the guy almost literally never let go of his rosary in his in his in his pocket, in his under his habit, and he also was Easily one of the most charismatically gifted people oh, yeah. in all in all Christian history. I mean, he just any gift you name it, and he was powerfully moving in the gifts. And I, I used yeah again, just very both and a classic Catholic both and. We want to get into our our stories a little bit of how we kind of came in to discover it. Yeah, and I maybe even so have you want to start with that.
0: Yeah, because Joe sort of introduced myself, Father Michael, and Father Christopher too charismatic things more deeper to the the person of the Holy Spirit.
2: Yeah so I'll I'll go ahead and uh just kind of share my testimony about um, where I guess my passion for for renewal in the church and um, life in the spirit really kind of has come about uh, bringing me to where I am today so um, I first got exposed to the charismatic renewal when I was um, a teenager. Um there's a lot of renewal going on at my my home parish um, with the pastor. and then my mom got uh, really powerfully touched by the Lord. And then a couple of years later, um I was. And uh, we we're my family was kind of traditionalist, um, and we we lived out in the the tri-state area. So you know we I grew up out in southeastern Indiana. So that's just kind of the geographical context of all this. But um we I kind of grew up in a more traditionalist family, you might say. Uh, We were very, you know, fond of the Latin mass. My parents were both very serious about orthodoxy, Um, but, well, I I should say, so I was very, very determined to see if there was really a, a good orthodox underpinning for the charismatic renewal and for the stuff that they were teaching, because this was all this was all brand new to me, but I couldn't deny that I had been powerfully touched through this. So I really spent a lot of my teenage years kind of um, coming to a deeper understanding of how this all fits into the church, um, and it's not like I just spent a couple of years looking at it and then stopped. I mean, I, I continue to this day, but um, I I became intellectually convinced um that that this was something legit, um, and that um, it was vitally important that the that that the church was open to this. Um, I myself did struggle with some discouragement um, as far as my my experiences later on uh, for a time. But I was always open to like, Lord, if you want to do, if you want to lead me into a deeper life in the Spirit, like I really I really want that. Um, but I also couldn't see like a clear way to grow in that for a while. But in the meantime, I went to college seminary. I met Father Michael and Father Chris, um, kind of introduced particularly Father Michael a little bit to it. Um, and I think he'll, he may mention a little bit about that from his standpoint. But um, really during that time and then during my two years in the Franciscan, uh, discerning Franciscan life, I just continued to focus more on my personal relationship with the Lord, um, my intimacy with the Lord. Um, but wasn't so focused on the charismatic gifts so much. Um, I left the Franciscans, and this was, uh, we're talking about more like like five years ago now, and uh, returned to living in Cincinnati um, as a layperson, and uh, kind of had a period where this was kind of on the back burner um, until I started to hear about how, you know, Father Michael and Father Chris really were being uh really set set aflame in, in in the way that they were diving head first into this stuff. Um, and so that rekindled my my desire to to really t- give this another look, I guess. Um and uh it was actually really back in uh just last year um that I had some major breakthrough because the Lord has this there's this repeating theme in my life of um you know like with St. Paul, our Lord, the Lord came to him and, and, and told him, my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness. It was always in times of my weakness and recognition of my weakness that the Lord would always show up, it seems like. And I had a big experience of that um, in, in 2022 where I just felt I was in a place of a lot of failure. And then the Lord just kind of really hit me again with a with like an invitation to like, Surrender your entire life to me all over again. And I took that invitation. Um, I went on pilgrimage. I came back, um, and I felt called to to start going to the Encounter School of Ministry. Um, in Cincinnati, they have a satellite campus. And that was really kind of what catapulted me a lot more into understanding and actually really um, using the supernatural gifts that I've had and I've even kind of experienced a little bit in a more latent form, but really uh, just starting to grow in that and as well as grow deeper and deeper in my intellectual understanding of that and just the whole interplay of, you know, the charismatic gifts, um, a life of intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and then just how to implement that into the the needs of the church as a whole. So it, it's been a really, it's been a really fascinating experience. Uh, Journey this past couple of years, especially, but even just in the years prior. So that's really kind of my that that's the sort of the passion that I'm bringing to this podcast, and I want to be able to share a lot of these insights that I have, and um, and uh, yeah, just be a part of this whole discussion. Yeah. So
0: this is Father Michael here, just sharing how I got introduced more to the person of the Holy Spirit, charismatic renewal. It really was through Joe when we were in college to marry together in Indianapolis. He would just share these cool miracle stories, basically. A lot of them were healing stories. Some of them were from his previous pastor, Father Al Lauer. Some were from just saints. Some from other just modern witnesses, basically. And I don't know. I'm familiar with the Gospels and there was lots of healings and miracles. And so it just simply made sense to me. And I actually, it really opened me up as well. I don't think I'm as smart as these guys here, but I did really admire the intellectual aspect of her faith, especially studying philosophy and eventually theology, prayer and spirituality. I really admired that. But the fact is, Joe is not someone who'd be the typical charismatic personality type. I mean, I think he's, I think, Joe, you're funny and joyful, but he's not just like the the person we, typically associate like extremely extroverted bubbly
2: super yeah, emotional not, not not at all no right and so
0: <laughs> just definitely very very intellectually solid guy and also just takes i mean joe you took um, yeah orthodoxy really seriously and the fact that you were open this and that wasn't really your personality type i was just very much believed it I didn't have any experience with it or avenues of learning more about walking more deeply with the Holy Spirit, how to be more involved with things charismatic, but that just opened me up. And then I went to Kenrick Glenn Seminary in St. Louis for theology and my spiritual director was uh, pretty charismatic. And then we had a, a life in the spirit prayer group at, at Kenrick. It was an optional prayer group on Monday nights. And just, it was really just a chance for more spontaneous praise, just more focus on the person of the Holy Spirit, more focus on being used by the Holy Spirit. So that really just started a a gradual process. I just became more open to vulnerable, vulnerable prayer, expressive prayer, bold prayer, a greater expectancy in God's power. And Mary Healy came, Dr. Mary Healy came and spoke at her seminary. She gave us, she was the she gave the, the lecture one year and she talked about healing in the evangelist, healing and evangelization. I was like, wow, she made a very convincing case from the gospels, Acts of the Apostles, New Testament church, early Christian church of how many people were really walking powerfully with the Holy spirit, particularly through healing and how that evangelization, yeah, how healing in the proclamation of the gospel. So how healing evangelization pretty much essentially go together, and I was very, very convinced by that, and, you know, I was just a seminarian at the time, I've been a priest at this point for a little over three years, so I'm, I'm certainly not the expert, but I, I feel like I had a pretty good intuition that there were need in the church, which just not come from more programs, books, video, you know, yeah, different video series, things like that, as good as those, as good as those are, and yeah through through time i got introduced to more resources on yeah this the spiritual gifts things like praying in tongues prophecy healing miracles great expectancy of god's power partnering with angels all these sorts of things so then we'll talk more about it later but just a sort of really powerful experiences of the holy spirit really i mean the, the time that I, the times in my life that i've really experienced God powerfully and seen a profound transformation in my life have been with Encounters with the Holy Spirit. It's been praying with other people. So I've just been on this journey of going deeper to the... uh, entering into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. At this point in time, I'm a a student for Encounter Ministries. They have satellite campuses, a campus, online campuses, and it's really trained... It's helping... It was established to train people to really be disciples who are walking powerfully with the Holy Spirit. So there's probably a lot more I could say, but that's really kind of what made me interested in all these things, charismatic. And so at this point, I just want to share these types of experiences. I want to have these types of conversations and share it with with other people so it's not this mystery. It's not this hidden treasure, but just to help people really recover their inheritance. Like we've been given so much in our faith, even, you know, the Eucharist is really amazing, certainly, but, but also just to know more about the Holy Spirit as well, I think is uh, another treasure in our faith that we just need to discover.
1: So for me, growing up, and this would be true for Father Michael as well, obviously, but our parish experience was, I would say, very a very typical just post Vatican II, like Novus Ordo Parish, we were not traditional. Uh, we also were not charismatic at all. Uh, I would say going into even going into to seminary, I had really no experience of what people would consider like traditionalist Catholicism or charismatic Catholicism. It was just probably what's a lot of people have experienced as a typical Catholic experience, like in the nineties and two thousands. For me, though, uh, in my teenage years, I really kind of fell away from the faith a lot, especially in my moral life. I just started to really get, go into a deep, um, just get really far away from the Lord, getting into just party, the party scene, um, all of that, just getting really caught up in it. And at the same time, I became very skeptical. I started to have really serious doubts about God and kind of fell into more or less an an agnosticism for a couple of years in my late teens and early twenties. I came back to the faith, came back to belief in my early twenties, almost completely through apologetics, through Catholic apologetics and starting to listen to podcasts, starting to read books, starting to listen to people's talks, watching debates between Christians and atheists or Catholics and Protestants. And so for me, uh, since I had fallen into this state of skepticism and doubt, coming back to faith and coming back to like a real conviction of the faith happened through the mind. I was captivated by the intellectual, uh, the the depth and the clarity of the Catholic faith. And so it, and then I, my discovered my vocation to the priesthood shortly after coming back to the faith. And I'm like 22, 23 at that point and I pretty quickly got attracted yeah, to, to the priesthood after converting or reverting. And when I entered into the seminary, uh, what do I do? I start studying philosophy and theology. So it's an environment in which if you're inclined to see the faith in a very intellectual way, uh, you'll find plenty of, of, uh, of stuff to talk about and stuff to, to get really to delve deep into. So I, for me, going through seminary, I would say for the first four, five, six years, the faith was still very much kind of almost a philosophy or like an intellectual system. Uh, And I was just captivated by it. And I was going deeper and deeper into it. Uh, Mind you, obviously I'm I'm living a life of prayer and I'm still working on my own, my conversion and trying to grow in holiness, but it had a primarily intellectual kind of quality to it. As I was going through seminary, especially in the final uh, few years uh, when I'm in theology, I was in, in seminary in Rome. I felt this growing sense of pressure. Like I'm, I'm about to, I'm coming up to my end of my time in seminary. I'm about to be sent out into ministry. And there's this kind of overwhelming sense of the task that's before me. This just daunting, like impossible task is about to be placed on my shoulders and even though I'm yeah understanding the faith more and more and more as I go through seminary, I'm also, uh, very aware of like hearing about just the crisis in the church, like the crisis of of faith, the lack of belief, people leaving the church, um, you know, the abuse crisis, in 2018 at that around that time, and when I was later in seminary was uh, all the stuff with Cardinal McCarrick and all the things with uh, some of the bishops and things. So it was a time of a great discouragement. And then you, I mean, you throw in COVID there too, if you want. Um, so it's just this uh, mounting sense of pressure. That was the context of where I was at when I discovered this charismatic dimension of the faith. So I very much just received it through my brother, Father Michael. He had, as he already shared in his testimony, he discovered it through at his seminary uh, through Mary Healy's talk. And he kind of shared it with me and was like, you got to check this out. He recommended Mary Healy's book, Healing, to me. I read that book on a retreat and I'm not exaggerating. It was as I read the testimonies of healing and how she laid out the role that healing uh, and the charisms are meant to play in our faith. It was like the scales fell from my eyes. And um, it it was like realizing I was very wrong about the way I was looking at the faith but being very happy that I was wrong it was like a huge relief it was like oh, oh my gosh like it doesn't all depend on me praise god like i don't have to i don't have to have what it takes i don't have what it takes and when you when you go into uh, when you're approaching the priesthood or approaching full time ministry thinking that you have to be good enough or be smart enough mm-hmm. or be competent enough and you don't or realize how powerfully the holy spirit can work through you and other people. It's just terrifying. It's just, yep. it's uh it's overwhelming. So I would say just to kind of to sum it up, uh, I I've, I felt very convicted by what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 when he talks about his experience of like shifting from arguments and just a, an intellectual approach to welcoming the movement of the holy spirit. When he says that when, when he came to them, when he came to the Corinthians, his, he says, My speech and my message were not, were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. And that was like, wow, there is a lot of beautiful wisdom in the church. I'm still I, I love to read, I love to study the faith. I I love to encourage people to do it. But uh, as my brother shared, like when we think about what's needed in the church, the renewal that's needed, where will it come from? Like where will our help come from? Our help will come from the Lord. And uh that's that's really what I think we all have a heart for is is yeah, using all our natural abilities as best we can, but then realizing that that is in no way <laughs> enough and that we need we need the holy spirit to move and if and if jesus did all his ministry in the power of the holy spirit and the apostles did it all in the holy spirit saint paul the saints throughout our whole history who are we to think that we don't need the holy spirit and that that people don't that people today are going to be converted uh, by our our just our human efforts our human programs apart from the movement of god and,
0: it's, and I would say just for myself real briefly, that was definitely my experience as well. I'm probably not quite as much of an intellectual as Father Christopher, but very much my interest and in my faith was very heady and intellectual for a long time and not very experiential. So a lot of stuff about the Holy Spirit, it's not just about, well, how can I be equipped to do amazing things and heal people on the streets? That might be part of it, but a lot of it is just experiencing God, like experiencing the faith. It's it's so huge. Pope Benedict said, I don't know if he was Pope at the time or Cardinal at the time, but he said, a dog, he says, uh, a dogmatic faith unsupported by personal experience remains empty. I don't know if I'm exactly quoting it, but that's pretty much what he says. A dogmatic faith unsupported by personal experience remains empty. And so, Every Christian, every Catholic should be able. To, would someone ask you, "How have you experienced the love of the Father? How have you experienced Jesus Christ? Have you encountered Him? How have you experienced the Holy Spirit?" There should be specific stories that you can describe, concrete experiences that you can describe. So I think that's that's an important aspect as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's not primarily about. Being able to do anything—it's not like you're going to get a Holy Spirit toolkit to, to be able to do some some cool things that will impress people. It's primarily about identity, like Saint Paul says. Like the Holy Spirit, when Holy Spirit allows us to cry out "Abba, Father," is the Spirit testifying with my Spirit that I'm a child of God. And I mean, how often do we see stories of people encountering the Holy Spirit, encountering the Lord in prayer in a powerful way, and the way they they summarized what they learned, it, it sounds like almost silly. It was like, well, what did, like, what did you feel like, you know, or what did, what did the words say to you, or like, what did you experience? It's like, I just like realized that God loves me. Like I just realized that I'm a daughter of God, that I'm a child of God. It's it's you can be told the truth and be given very you know good reasons. I can you can have it explained to you. But without any experiential element of it, uh, it kind of remains this, this abstract thing. And that's just to throw in another uh, great Pope Benedict quote from his first encyclical, Deus Caritas S, God is Love. He says that being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. It's an encounter with a person. And I know for me, it, for a long time, it felt more like uh, a lofty idea. Maybe the, my favorite idea in the world. I was obsessed with it. I loved it. But it still kind of remained an idea. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes Jesus real. It's a beautiful thing that actually I heard from Mary Healy. She says, uh, Jesus reveals the Father. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. And we, the church, reveal the Holy Spirit. How do people? How are people going to come to experience, fundamentally, what everyone needs is to come back to the Father. That's what all of humanity is longing for. They're estranged from the Father, and they need to be brought home to the Father. Jesus came and did the work to bring us back in relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is the one who, uh, through whom we're adopted, through whom we're uh, regenerated, through whom we're reborn as children of God. And how are people going to meet the Holy Spirit? Like, we're the ones, we're the, the temples of God. We're the ones who carry the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. And so if we don't allow it to renew us and to show in the way we live, um, how will people come to know? And that's how people can can know today that Jesus is alive, that he is risen, that it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago, that he's alive today. And he wants to to come into their lives, to change their lives, is through the Holy Spirit working in us.
2: Yeah, that's that's the good news the good news is that we don't have to do it all, our, all on our own, um, and that we have we have an advocate with us, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter is with us. Um, he's teaching us everything um, that the that the Lord taught His disciples, and in an even greater depth and in an even greater fullness, um, He is convicting us of sin, which ultimately our sin is unbelief. Um, and and we'll we'll be talking more about that. That is definitely something the Lord, the Holy Spirit's been convicting me of lately. And it's just, man, that when you realize that, that's wow. That's that opens up a whole lot, whole lot of solutions. Actually, <laughs> um, it, you know, belief is a is a doorway to really all the solutions that you know the church needs. Father Chris, there's a there's a quote that I've heard you say before. What was that about? Um, about faith being, uh, or the crisis, the crisis, every crisis in the church.
1: Yeah, every crisis in the church is a crisis of faith. Uh, you know, who said that? I think I think it's Pope Benedict, or maybe wow. when he was when he was Cardinal Ratzinger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we look at the lives of the saints. Um, we can kind of complicate or like make you know. Uh, complicate the reasons why they were able to live the lives that they lived, but they're really just someone who was totally uh, convinced by the gospel, somebody who totally believed, like took God at his word and just lived it. So, and all this is, all this is what we're sharing about. The exciting news is that it's not for a few people, that it's not just for like the Padre Pio's and the Teresa of Lassus and all the, you know, the great saints that we admire that it's for everybody that when we hear about uh, if you're getting tired of just hearing about how other people experienced the Lord uh, and just admiring it from afar it's not supposed to be a spectator thing we're not supposed to hear the story of a saint or someone's testimony or a miracle story and just say like ooh ah like you know and you know praise god but it's supposed to it's supposed to also be a message to us that this is what you have access to this is what's available and that's uh, i think kind of gets at the heart of what we're what we're trying to say in so many words is like how exciting and refreshing is it to to learn that the things that uh, excite us about in all these stories is that's the normal Christian life that's what that's what we all have available to to us if we're too willing to maybe let go of our our current way of of, of thinking about it and living it and to welcome that renewal
0: so this podcast really is just to help create a culture
1: like cultures are very powerful
0: in a positive sense or a negative sense depending on the type of culture some of us might have community of like-minded believers who are really on fire for their faith you know really in love with the person of the holy spirit really living a life in the spirit a life in the holy spirit some of us might not be but either way this is a means to think about these topics to to really focus on focus on our inheritance, the, the the important aspects of our faith that maybe have been forgotten, the, the spiritual gifts, expectant faith, renewed identity, covering just a variety of, of topics that really are important for renewal in the church and just renewal for ourselves individually. So if you've had a sense of, yeah, I've just been doing endless apologetics, endless catechesis, again, good stuff, but just been just learning, 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 learning more about my faith, and just wanting to... Exp- if you had the sense that there's something more for you to experience, and there's something more that God can be doing through you, I think this podcast will be a really helpful way to help you discover... Uh, experience God and, and discover that deeper calling and that that those more profound ways that He wants to use you.
2: We've all been blessed to have this kind of i guess holy spirit network um where we just run into people and the lord brings people into our lives who are just like-minded this isn't just the three of us kind of doing a little like solo tour thing or i don't know what that even means but like it's not just like the three of us kind of uh coming up with a bunch of ideas on our own there really is a you know Maybe this isn't the best word, but there's a movement um, that's kind of afoot across—we know it's p- particularly ac- across the Midwest, but really across the United States, and I, I believe it's, it's, it's much broader than this um, altogether—but just people who are really seeking to live a radical life in the Spirit and really say yes um, 100% to what the Lord wants to do with them, whatever that means. And— um, we definitely, uh, we definitely don't feel like we're just making this up, or, or you know, trying to start a movement where we're just like the people at the head. And we look forward to actually bringing some of these people onto uh, onto the podcast um, to interview them and for them to share their wisdom and their experience. And man, they have some amazing testimonies, um, and some of them have been walking in the spirit for a lot longer than we have. Um, so that's something that we're really hoping to do. Um, you know if if God builds the house and uh, and uh, you know it continues long enough, then uh, that's something that we're really excited for as well. A
0: tip for this podcast or really anything in life for you is to really pray for the Holy Spirit to highlight things for you to listen to and to read. The Holy Spirit might not be asking you to listen to every episode of this. Maybe he is. Maybe it's one episode. Maybe it's five episodes. I mean, I know that we're going to be in the process of releasing episodes, but, you know, I'm I'm not God. And so there might be, uh, there's a lot of great content out there, and you cannot listen to everything. You cannot listen to every Catholic podcast, every good YouTube thing, read every good Catholic book. Do not be overwhelmed. You don't have to listen to everything. So just ask the Holy Spirit to highlight things for you. But yeah, I was certainly excited to go on this journey with you all. I'll just go ahead and close this in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, you did not die so that we could just have a ticket to go to heaven someday. You didn't die so that someday we could meet you in heaven, that you want us to meet you now. And it's through the, through the power of your Holy Spirit that we meet you, that you really live inside of us. That you give us the Holy Spirit to reveal to us you as risen and real and live and personal and concrete. Who, And then you reveal to us the Father. So Jesus, I ask that whoever is listening to this would just come to experience you more profoundly. You are not just an idea. Our faith in you is not just being good people. It's not a, an ethical choice. It's not a nice idea. You're a real person we're going to have a relationship with. So I ask you just to renew our identity, help us know who we are in you, and just to, to give us a greater desire for you so that we might be able to receive everything you want to give to us. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.